0: Even less of us had cell phones just 20 years ago. Lots has changed. Things have happened. It's amazing, isn't it? Go back another eight years. Where were you? 28 years ago. Well, 28 years ago today, Pastor Jeff Tunnell began pastoring this church.
1: And, and now I have a computer and cell phone. <laughs>
0: And um so we we wanted to honor Pastor Jeff and, and Peggy and she's she came last night, but um you know, twenty eight years of love and service to the body of Christ here and, and we didn't want to let that go by uh, unnoticed and so we just have a little gift we want to give to you. And to Peggy. See so this is this This is for Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> it's that's a little something. Here's a You don't have to hold that, but I just wanted to give you a little gift. there? Uh, we just wanted to bless and honor them for for so much, you know, service to the body and continued life here as part of the family of God here at Christian Center. I just amazed. Twenty eight years ago, you know, I haven't even been here that long. I've only been here twenty five, I think. I'm so, 27. So, yeah, I'm only twenty seven. <laughs> but amen. So let's let's just honor honor Pastor Jeff for 28 years and thank him for his service.
1: I'm not going to preach. Hey, keep it to yourself, buddy. Um, this has nothing to do with me, but it's been on my heart the whole time when we are worshiping this morning to say to somebody, um, you know, but I'm not trying to usurp so I didn't want to prophesy in the middle of the service, but during the worship, there was healing taking place. And and I just want, I, I think I know who I'm talking to, but I'm not going to point you out. But listen to this, please. Healing can come very, very quietly, very, very silently, almost unnoticed, to the point that you might be asking yourself, did it really take place? And the Lord wants you to know it did take place. And He has, he has brought some wholeness to some brokenness here this morning. But, but, see, in your brokenness, you're not the one that's going to confirm that. Mm-hmm. You're going to go away thinking, well, I'm probably still broken. It felt good for a while, but it's not, it's not real. It's not real. The Lord wants you to know it is real. And that wholeness has come to a measure in your brokenness. And you need to just say to him, thank you. And receive it. And don't let the devil or your mind talk you out of it. Okay? Good word. Good word.
0: Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Well, about five years ago, Shannon and I were in Oakdale, California, serving Oak Valley Church. And with Pastor Eric Jensen, and he invited his former pastor to come and, and minister at the church and come. I believe it was Holy Spirit Week, if I remember correctly. And pastor Dave Ogren came and with a, a, a number of other speakers, and, but there was something that uh, just grabbed us with Pastor Dave for both of us. and We met a couple of times that week, and you know, this type of person you meet and you're just connected to. Um, such a strong connection and and uh one who just love you and and minister to you in such a powerful way in that meeting, you know I just fell in love, fell in love with the man and the ministry that he 's working with, and went, he has to meet Pastor Jeff. It was something about this this apostle and pastor and and man of God. That I said, they are going to be like like bookends or something. They're just so, so I, you know, call, called Jeff and said, you need to meet, and, and I believe you met down in like Yucca Valley or somewhere, you know, and, and you know, Jeff, knowing nothing other than, hey, Jeff, you need to go meet this guy, drives down there, and I'm wondering what's going on in his mind, going, you know, I hate when people set me up, you know, and and that happens a lot, you know, people, oh, you have to meet this person, you have to meet this person, you have to meet this person, so he drives, but. God did something in that connection as well. And uh, they uh, bonded their hearts together. And and a somewhat seemingly insignificant moment five years ago of him coming to Oak Valley has led to amazing changes in my life. And I believe in Pastor Jeff's and this church as he's walked uh, alongside of us over this time of transitioning uh, to me and the senior pastorate. It's been a great time. Now, he's coming this morning to minister again. and, And it's amazing because he came at the beginning. Uh, he, he was here before the transition started. He came right after we got back here within I think it was in December, and we started the transition in September and He came at the beginning and helped us through you know warning us of rough spots and praying with us and being that voice from outside that says, "Call me any anytime and amazingly be just in the grace and sovereignty of God, he comes now just two weeks after the transition and gets to be the, the, the front and the end, and it's been a great time. He's part of a ministry. He's going to come and tell you about uh, Great Commission Media Ministries, and it's amazing what they're doing. All over the world, people are, are, are hearing the gospel of Jesus in places that you or I could never go. Um, mostly, uh, many, many Muslim countries. He just returned on Sunday from Senegal. One week ago, was in Senegal, Africa. And uh, he travels all over the world, and, and mostly throughout the United States. He's the Great Commission Media Ministries, United States uh, Missions. He, he's it for this side, uh, for the whole United States, North America. And so we're going to have him come and share a little bit about the ministry, and then he's got a, a word from the Lord that he really felt was, was timely and specific. So let's welcome Pastor Dave Oberon. We had a
2: great time last night. And uh, it's great to be back again this morning. Before I, I just talk a minute about Great Commission Media, and then we're going to just show you a DVD, because it, it really tells, does a good job in telling the story. <clears throat> Let me just make a couple of personal comments. Um, I pastored 35 years. Now I've been a part of this ministry for five Uh, I connect with pastors every Sunday somewhere. And frankly, I've I've been working with a lot of churches going through transition. Some churches are doing it well. Some churches aren't doing it well. And you're doing it well here. And uh, I want to commend Pastor Jeff Peggy um, for being willing to... uh, We talked five years ago he told me five years ago, God has told me I need to open my hand and begin a process of passing the baton. And um, sometimes it's easy to say that at the beginning. (laughs) And at the end, it's kind of like,
0: I'm not letting go.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And I've seen guys do that. But he has not done that. And so, my good friend, I honor you. I honor you. I honor you. And I know you and Peggy are, are, are seeking, okay, God, what's next? And would you pray for them that God would give them very clear direction for the days ahead? And for Robin Shannon, you know, God has brought you here in the will of God. And I just sense you are on the beginning of a wonderful journey together. I remember what it's like to come to a new church and discovering new vision and getting a sense of new direction. And uh, none of us, you, me, none of us know what God has in store, but how many are open for whatever God has? Amen. And I believe it's good. I believe it's good. I believe it's very good. So I just want to pray. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the faithful leadership of this church. 28 years of faithful leadership. Faithful to family, faithful to finance, faithful to the Word. Thank you, God. Lord, would you bless Pastor Jeff and Peggy as they, as they enter a new season of life and ministry, they are far from over. <laughs> this is just the beginning of something brand new. And God, would you open the doors? Would you bring it to pass that would you have ordained for them? And I, I pray blessing upon Pastor Rob and Shannon as they've come in now, and and, and as the transition has been completed, and as they are beginning as the new senior pastors of this congregation. Lord, Lord, we just pray that you would that you would expand the impact of this church in this in this whole mountain area in the name of Jesus we pray in the weeks months years to come they will see hundreds and hundreds of people come to Christ may it be so lord in the name of Jesus may your kingdom come may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in Jesus name amen Well, I'm a part of a ministry called Great Commission Media Ministry. This is a ministry that's not based in the U.S. It's based out of Finland. And you'll see that. The DVD will will show that. I just want to share just a a brief part of what we do that's not super clear in the DVD. and And that's how we start these media evangelism campaigns. Basically how it starts is we are invited by a significant group of churches to a particular city. That's been... You know, uh, Kathmandu, Nepal, that's been Chennai, India, that's been to uh, Helsinki, Finland, that's been to many, many different cities in Russia, uh, kind of all over the world now. This year, some very unique opportunities God is opening up to many, many different cities. But what, what happens is we gather the pastors and we ask them to make a list of 30 of the best life stories from their city, from their region, people right from their culture. And so, and so we work with them on that, and we pick the 30 of the best life stories, testimonies, people's lives changed, transformed by the gospel. Then our camera crews come in, and they do very professional documentaries, 15-minute documentaries on each one of these people's lives. So at the end of the day, we have 30 15-minute life stories are our camera ready for television. Then we purchase time on the most watched television station in that region, secular television, for every night for a month prime time. So somewhere between 7 and 10 p.m. every night, there's a different life story on television proclaiming the power of the gospel. Our name is nowhere. There's no preaching. There's no plea for money. Uh, It's all about the local churches. It's called Power to Change wherever we go. So it's Power to Change Kathmandu, Nepal. It's Power to Change Chennai, India. This next week, it's Power to Change Hyderabad, India. Right now, it's Power to Change Nazareth in Israel. Uh, so all it's just kind of all over the world different opportunities it takes us about a year to put together one of these campaigns and you'll see why as you see on the DVD so we'll go ahead and show it and um, and then I'll come back and we'll just preach
3: Great Commission Media Ministries uses the tools of media to take the good news of Jesus Christ into difficult-to-reach regions of the world. In Europe, the ministry is known as International Russian Radio and Television, with headquarters and studios near the Russian border in Finland. The roots of the ministry go back to the 1970s, when a young Canadian, Hanu Hauka, married a Soviet Christian dissident named Laura. And they began work in shortwave radio ministry broadcasting the gospel in Russian back into the USSR from Finland. Although there was no way to broadcast television into the Soviet Union, Hanu and Laura still felt compelled to develop a Russian TV ministry. So they bought one videotape machine to create a translation of a Bible cartoon series into Russian. A miracle took place when Soviet state TV called them to request the program for broadcast across all 11 time zones of the USSR. As a result, over one million responses came in the mail from all over the Soviet Union. Many of today's church leaders in Russia credit this Bible cartoon series as their first exposure to the gospel. The eventual collapse of the Soviet Union in 1991 opened more doors to take the gospel to Russia. Churches could now operate freely, and many new church congregations were born. But the greatest opportunity came at the dawn of the 21st century.
4: You know, in 2003, we came to a point where we started to ask ourselves serious questions. and We started to ask the churches on the ground in Russia, in the big cities, serious questions about how we were doing how we were faring with the Great Commission. We said, if Jesus really meant what he said when he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to all, you know, to all peoples and all nations, how are we faring? How many are you reaching? How many visit your churches? And how many people come in contact with your ministries in the course of one year? Some of the churches says, well, we have maybe 10, 20, maybe 30, 40 non-Christians would visit our church services during the course of a year. Some churches said, well, maybe a 100. Some of the dynamic churches would say, well, maybe a 1,000 people. We ask the question, well, what about the 995,000 other people who never come in touch with the church? Did Jesus not mean them as well? And so the churches and the pastors will say, yeah, we have a problem here. When we said, okay, let's get together, let's pray. Let's devise a strategy to reach the 1 million residents of this city over a course of 30 days, effectively, so that they will know what Jesus Christ, what God's Son Jesus Christ is offering them. That's how this whole thing started. We utilized all the media for 30 days, that is prime time television, secular TV, radio, billboards, mega screens, outside mega screens, public transport systems, the outside of buses, newspapers, flyers into homes, everything we could get our hands on. We did it for 30 days to impact the city, it was saturation. All the advertising that takes place over the course of 30 days has a call-in number. So we direct all the traffic to a call center and we receive tens of thousands of telephone calls Tens of thousands of families that are struggling with problems that are very real, Breakup up of the family, 4 million children on the streets, meaning 4 million homes at least, according to official statistics, that are just broken, where the children are not even at home. And then we think the real figure is probably double, if not triple that. There's a huge problem in Russia. 40% of the male population struggling with alcohol. And God comes into this picture saying, I will give you the power to change through my son Jesus Christ. This book, God Gives You, The Power to Change, it's been printed in up to about 10 languages now, but the main language, of course, is Russian. We'll have over a million books in print and distributed by the time you know many of the people see this program.
3: Following the end of a megacity media saturation evangelism campaign, the churches on the ground go into high gear with follow-up. It's a time when thousands of people are led to Christ through one-on-one visitation. Word of this bountiful harvest has spread beyond the borders of Russia. In late 2010, Great Commission Media Ministries led a similar evangelism campaign in Guyana, South America, where thousands responded by phone, and more than 500 people immediately asked Jesus to be their Lord and Savior, praying the sinner's prayer right on the phone. In Asia, another media evangelism campaign launched on Christmas Day in Kathmandu, Nepal, one of the most Hindu places on earth. 40,000 phone calls have been received, along with 500,000 visits to the campaign website. Both of these mission outreaches in Guyana and Nepal utilized special channels on YouTube where the evangelistic programs made for local television have been viewed more than 11,000 times by people from all around the world. And that number grows weekly as these powerful testimonies remain available on the Internet. The next megacity campaign was held in one of India's largest cities, Chennai. 92,000 phone calls were received over 30 days in response to outdoor advertising and daily christian television and radio programs. 12,000 church volunteers have now been mobilized for follow-up ministry across the Chennai region. Another series of media evangelism campaigns was held in Israel. While this created controversy in some quarters, it got the whole nation talking. Many responded with threats and accusations, but others among God's chosen people found their long-awaited Messiah. And we didn't forget the Palestinian people. Another media outreach in Israel and the Palestinian territories has seen many Arab-speaking people also surrender their lives to Christ. The Middle East and North Africa are difficult fields, but with fertile soil for the seeds of the gospel. And Great Commission Media Ministries is on the forefront of communicating Christ through daily satellite television produced by Christians from those cultures in their own languages at our mission studio in Finland. Our Islamic World Department produces 500 Christian programs a year, including four Arabic TV series, three in Persian, two in Somali, and now we've added the languages of Ethiopia and Eritrea. Eight interactive Christian websites designed for Muslims offering online resources as well as discussion forums receive one to two million visits every month. Our follow-up team answers fifty emails and text messages a day from those in the Islamic world seeking the truth about God. While Great Commission Media Ministries focuses on effective use of media to spread the gospel, We rely on the Holy Spirit to guide and direct our ministry. In 2003, God spoke to the heart of Hanu Hauka about some of the most forgotten children in the world, found in prison camps all over Russia.
4: When I first stepped inside the confines, the walls of a children's prison camp in Russia, my eye used to open I said, wow, what are these kids here for? I mean, hundreds of kids in prison. There are 64 children's prison camps with 18,000 kids in prison. Officially, I found out that that's not the whole story. We think that there's another 64, if not even 100, of these other facilities that nobody counts and nobody knows about, where there are probably another 20 to 40,000 boys. Every Christmas, we have sent in supplies. We have bought warm winter clothes, jackets, pants, socks, gloves, hats, plus sanitary supplies, soap, shampoo, and stuff like that, plus textbooks for the kids. We have done that for the last few years, administering to these 18,000 boys in prison camps in Russia. And we have seen hundreds and hundreds of boys make decisions for Jesus. They will not have heard the gospel otherwise, and there's no way. There are an estimated 4 million kids on the streets of Russia today. And that tells you of 4 million homes that are broken, where the families are dysfunctional. Mothers and fathers are not there Fathers drunk, mothers out with other men. Mm. So when the kid has nothing to eat, the kid goes out on the street, finds his food. Sometimes and that a crime in order to fill his stomach. The problem in the beginning was the mother and the father. It wasn't the kid. The kid suffers. Yes, we deal with the kids, but we also deal with the families, the mothers and fathers. We tell them that God can also give you the power to change, mm. to live a happy family life.
3: Great Commission Media Ministries is able to reach families who may otherwise never hear the good news of Jesus. Because of your prayers and your financial partnership, Missions is teamwork. Someone needs to send those of us who are able to go. And together, we can reach the lost of our world. As this program ends, take a moment to hear the whisper of God in your heart and ask him to direct you about your part in the fulfillment of the Great Commission.
2: I uh, see that every week. And it still moves me. (laughs) Uh, Just thrilled to have a small part in a ministry that's literally reaching thousands of people for Christ every month. All over the world. The Nazareth situation is very unique. One of the first times we've been able to combine um, Messianic Jews and uh, Palestinian, Palestinian Christian churches who are working together to reach their city for Christ. So very, very exciting. Um, We are the only Christian ministry that has access to these children's prisons in Russia. And we provide uh, new uniforms to all the kids every year. We contract with the women's prison system um, who sew the uniforms, but we pay for them. And then we buy shoes, boots, coats, underwear, socks, deodorant, the whole nine yards for the kids every year from each of the 70 regions where these prisons are at. So, uh, at first that's all we could do, was the humanitarian part. We're continuing to do that, but now they're opening the door for us to actually preach the gospel to these kids. As as you saw, we're seeing hundreds of kids come to Christ um, every year, every year, every year. Praise be unto God. Okay, Psalm 139. That's where we're going to start. I, you know, we're going to look at, at a number of scriptures, and I want you to hang in here with me this morning. Um, I'm going to unpack something this morning that is a little bit of a different message. It's a message I've never preached. So, this is kind of new territory for me as well as for you. So, if I kind of stumble a little bit through this, uh, bear with me. Um, but I, I believe it's an extremely important message for the body of Christ. Father, I just pray, God, that you will take this word. May it be uh, faith-building. May it be encouraging. May it cause our vision to be turned towards you with hope. I pray, O oh God, that you would use this to turn darkness to light. to cause the power of satan to lose its power in many people's lives we thank you for it in Jesus name amen there was a graffiti that was found on a basement wall in the city of Kong, germany in 1945 it was written there by a jewish person that had been hiding from the gestapo and this is what this is what this person wrote i believe in the son even when, it is, even when it isn't shining. I believe in love even when I am alone. I believe in God even when He is silent. I believe in the sun even when it's shining. I believe in love even when I'm alone. I believe in God even when He is silent. A guy by the name of Pete Gregg from England wrote a book, book called God on Mute and, and it really inspired me and this is, a, this is his poem from his book. Engaging the Silence. First there is prayer and where there is prayer there may be miracles. But where miracles may not be there are questions and where there are questions there may be silence. But silence may be more than absence. Silence may be presence, muted, muted. Silence may be nothing but something to explore, defy, accuse, engage. This is prayer. And where there is prayer, there may yet be miracles. Um, I think it's important that we, first of all, this morning establish uh, something, and, and we talked somewhat about it last night, but this is that the reality that God amazingly loves us. and Psalm 139, O Lord, You have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. Isn't that amazing? You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue. Behold, O Lord, You know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before You lay Your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from Your Spirit? Where shall I free, flee from Your presence? If I ascend to heaven, You are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, You are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there Your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. So, so David is saying, God, you are always with me. You are with me in the dark, and you are with me in the light. You are with me when I understand, and you are with me when I am mystified by light. You are with me in every possible situation of, of life because God amazingly loves us. Isaiah 49 says, I have engraved you on the palm of my hand, does that mean God has that tattoo? Maybe, I don't know. I've engraved you on the palm of my hand. Your walls are continually before me. God is always thinking about us. You know, I, I travel almost all the time now. My kids are raised uh, 38, 36, 32. Uh, 33, excuse me. Ben's 33 now. I have four grandkids Another one on the way. You know, uh, Colleen and I have been married now for 40 years. and uh, But but their walls are continually before me. Even though I'm not with them every, every moment of every day, I, you know, they're on my mind. They're on my heart. We're thinking about them constantly. Romans chapter 8. Turn there. Romans chapter 8. I, I want you to focus on this. I want you to uh, embrace this. I want you to believe this. I want this to soak into your heart this morning. Verse 35. And we need to ask the question, why would Paul write this? Paul is writing these words because we experience all kinds of different kinds of things in life. Some good, some wonderful, some happy, some joyful, and some are crisis How many has ever been in crisis? You ever been in crisis? You ever gone through difficult times? Okay. Paul is writing this because that is is the reality of life here on earth. huh? It's a mix of sunshine and rain, of storms and beautiful days. And so, uh, Paul writes 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Why does he ask that question? Because there are times in life that you will question, does God love me? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things. Say that. In all these things. Things. Life, okay? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. Will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? Nothing, nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Do not believe the roar in your ear that says to you because of human life experience, because of what you're going through right now, God does not love you. If God loved you, this wouldn't be happening if God loved you, you wouldn't be going through this. No. Paul says, no matter what happens, this side of heaven, nothing will separate you from the love of God. So embrace that. Soak that into your heart. None of us know what tomorrow will hold. How many find find that prayer sometimes is a struggle? Me too. It's not always easy. But sometimes... For all of us, prayer is a reflex. (laughs) If you, uh, if you fall down a flight of stairs, prayer is a reflex. (laughs) Right? As you're going, as you're, as you're, as you're going down a flight of stairs, you're saying, what? Oh God, help me, right? (laughs) You know? You know, so, 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 prayer can be reflective. Re, reflexive. Or, or however you say that, um, it, it, it's at, at at times like that when 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 life smacks us in the face, all right. Uh, it's not a matter of spiritual depth. It's not a matter of special technique. Not at all. It's a matter of just response in the midst of crisis. Matt, uh, Mark, chapter fourteen. Mark chapter 14, we see Jesus in one of those situations. Verse 32. And they went to a place called Gethsemane and He said to His disciples, sit here while I pray. And He took with Him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. Jesus. Come on. Now listen. Listen. Listen to the Scripture. Jesus is greatly distressed and troubled. Hey, Rob, if... If you're a man of faith, you shouldn't be distressed and troubled. What's your problem, man? You know? No, no, no. Jesus was greatly distressed and troubled. He was great. There are times in life, there are situations in life, you will be greatly distressed and troubled. It has nothing to do with a lack of faith. It has to do with our human life experience that we are going through right now. And He said to them, My soul is very sorrowful. Even to death, remain here and watch. Sometimes we need other people, right? And going a little farther, He fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from Him. And He said, Abba, Father. You, do you realize this is the only time Jesus on record says that in the Scripture is right here. In the midst of crisis... In the midst of crisis, Jesus calls God Daddy. The word Abba is, is, the, is the father-child relationship. okay? And Jesus is saying, Daddy, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. We know he prayed it not once, but three times. Huh? Yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping and said, Simon, are you asleep? Could not you watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so forth. He went on and prayed again. Now, how many believe God answers prayer? Matthew 7 Ask and ye shall receive, seek and ye shall find. Knock on the door, will it be opened. Anyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. Whoever knocks, the door will be open. Alright? How many have had a profound answer to prayer in your life? Huh? Me too. Me too. I, we. If I had you just stand and, and, and share something that God has done in answer to prayer, all of us could stand this morning because God has been faithful. I know that's true in my life as well. And how wonderful... That is, Jesus said in John 16, Until now you have asked nothing in My name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, he says, Cast all of your care upon Him. Why? Because He cares for you. Do that. Do that. But as we see in Jesus' personal experience here, in Mark chapter 14, we see that in the midst of Jesus praying, Jesus literally entered into a season of silence. Huh? God did not quickly answer that prayer, if it be possible, let this cup pass. He didn't answer that prayer, did he? He did answer it. <laughs> because, because Jesus, Jesus prayed, not my will, but yours be done. So he answered that prayer. But, but the cry, Of Jesus' heart, if it be possible, let this cup pass for me, was not answered. We, we understand that there is the cross, Good Friday, and there is Resurrection Sunday, but we know that between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday, there was, there was Silent Saturday. There was, and, and the only sound on Silent Saturday was the buzz of flies. Alright? It was confusing. It was dark. It was frustrating. Uh, and we are all tempted to cave in when Silent Saturday comes into our personal life experience. We, we feel hurt, possibly, or betrayed. We feel maybe guilty. We feel responsible for silence. We, we, we develop these crazy theological misconceptions. We, we have doubt. We have despair. We, we feel abandonment. We feel insecure. Why? Because God is not talking to us. And God is not revealing to us right now. But it is very important in those moments that you choose to respond in faith. I remember years ago, we were pastoring in Iowa, and a uh, young couple started coming to our church, came right out of the drug culture, and Cindy and, Cindy and Darlow uh, gave their hearts to Christ, and they had two little girls, and and they became close friends to us. We were young. They were young. We were about the same ages, and, uh, and one day, Cindy got really sick and ended up in the hospital, and, long story short, um, she had pituitary gland cancer right here in the center of the head. And uh, she went to Mayo Clinic. Mayo Clinic was doing everything they could do. And we began to pray as a church for Cindy. You know, young mom, two little girls, and we began to say, oh God. And I I just went to the Lord and I said, God, how do I pray? How do we pray as a church? how do we stand behind Cindy? And, and the Lord gave me something so simple that, that I just want to share with you. The Lord said to me, you have everything to gain and nothing to lose by maintaining a simple heart of faith and belief in me. You have everything to lose and nothing to gain by fear and doubt and unbelief. So we made a choice. We're going to believe God. And I remember one Sunday morning uh, in, our, in our little church in Esterville, Iowa, we were worshiping like this morning, sweet presence of God just like this morning. And just, you know, just God came, came in amongst us. And I, I think we stood and we, we worshiped and praised God for about 45 minutes. It was amazing. Presence of God. At the end of the service, Cindy came up to me and she said, Pastor, I want to tell you, this morning during the service, God told me that on, I think it was a June date, on June such and such, God is going to heal me. She says, amazingly, it's my next appointment at Mayo Clinic. Now, you need to understand that Mayo Clinic had done everything they could for Cindy, and they, she, didn't, she wasn't on anything anymore. But they said, we want to keep monitoring your condition because we have not had that many cases of cancer like this. We can't do anything more for you and and it won't be long, and 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 you're gonna die. But we want to monitor your condition. So she went up back up to Mayo Clinic that day. Okay, no change yet, no change at all. She goes up that day. She runs through a half a day of tests. The doctors they do in Mayo Clinic, they come around, they circle your bed, you know. And 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 she was circled. Her bed was circled by doctors, and they said, Cindy. We're, we're very sorry, but we're going to have to take the test all over again. So they did. So that evening, they came back and they circled their bed again. They said, we need to apologize to you because we need to tell you why we took the test all over again. Because we felt our equipment was malfunctioning. Because we know what you had, but now it is gone. Now it is gone. Now... I say that with great thanks and by the way, Cindy is still alive to this very day. this was many years ago. let me just demonstrate this is what you need to do in your life keep your door of faith open this does not guarantee healing I've had more funerals than I've had miracles. did you hear me? <laughs> I've had more funerals than miracles but I am determined to keep the door of faith open. To continue to believe God no matter what. To continue to stand no matter what. Sometimes there are those times between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday, that silent Saturday, and sometimes it's very short. And for others it's very long. And, some, and for others it's a lifetime. And, and Silent Saturday doesn't end until they go to be with Jesus. Do I understand that? No, I do not understand that. Is that human reality? That is the human reality. There's a lot of things we don't understand about life. We do understand Jesus said in Matthew 17 if you do have faith as a grain of mustard seed and say to this mountain be removed nothing is impossible nothing is impossible so keep your keep your doors and your windows open when Saturday comes when silence comes when crisis comes when difficulty comes open your windows open your doors And may the King of glory come in. Amen? We don't control that. But we control whether our doors and windows are open. So keep them open. Every second, five babies are born and two people die. That's life. Life tends to be messy. Have you discovered that? Okay? We have created in Western civilization... A Christian culture in which we feel compelled to have it all together. Where we feel compelled to have all the answers. And I want to say, after 40 years of ministry, there's there's probably more I don't know now than I thought I knew 40 years ago. You know what I mean? There's there's a lot of mystery to life. There's a lot of things I don't understand. There's a a lot of things that don't make any sense to me. So we need to keep it simple. Keep your windows open, keep your doors open, and keep believing, even when the wise come. Why John the Baptist? Why, why was Peter so marvelously delivered, but John the Baptist was beheaded? Was it because Peter was more spiritual than John the Baptist? Why was James thrust through with a sword and Peter was marvelously delivered? Why? Why did the chains fall off and the prison door open for Peter? But 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 John the Baptist. No prison doors opened. And as a very young man, he's in the presence of God. Why? The scripture is Saturday silent. <laughs> silent. We want. How many like answers? I like answers. God, I want answers. I want answers all the time. But there are times when God says, I'm sorry, I'm not going to give you answers. I am not going to give you answers. I I mean this kind of stuff happens all the time. January two thousand five. How do you pronounce this? La Cachin La Canchita? LaCanchita, California? Okay? You'll remember this. Jimmy Wallet, young father, three kids, went to buy ice cream for his wife and three kids. He came back to his home that was buried in thirty feet of mud begins to scratch at the mud with his hands. Thirty-six hours later, his deceased family is discovered, his wife and three kids. Three children, Hannah age ten, Raven, age six, Palima, age two, found still all three sitting on the couch, waiting for dad to bring ice cream.
1: Why? See,
2: those are the whys of life. You will experience Silent Saturday. You will experience the why of life. I will experience the why of... There's no time for platitudes then. There's no time for simple theological answers. Overwhelmed. Have you been there? Yes. Almost all of you have. Devastated. Yes. Feeling all alone. Yes, like Jesus. My God, my God. Eli, Eli, lama sabakathani. My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Jesus felt that. You will feel that. Settle it. On planet earth, this side of heaven, life, many times is tough. I mean, I, I, we're not going to read them. Matthew 6, 34. John sixteen thirty three. Philippians chapter 4, 11 to 13. You know, all, all Scriptures, it says, in this world are you going to have trouble? It's not going to always be easy. That is not Christian biblical truth. Biblical truth is not in this life, when you give your life to Jesus, everything's going to go smooth from now on. No! In this world, you're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer. Because there's something more than this. God let me just read one of them. 2 Corinthians 4. Verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed. We're perplexed but not driven to despair. We're persecuted but not forsaken. We're struck down but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our body. Verse 16. So we do not lose heart though our outward self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is prepared for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are not seen because the things that are seen are temporary the things that are unseen are eternal that is biblical perspective we don't just we don't just live for today we don't just live for today God, you know, frankly, God God has not guaranteed you happiness all your days. He has guaranteed you joy. (laughs) And there is a huge distinction between happiness and joy. Happiness is rooted in experience, human experience. Joy is rooted in the Holy Spirit. (laughs) So, how many are happy today? Come on. You happy today? I'm joyful today, but I'm also happy today. I feel good in body. I'm 63, but I feel 33. You know, some young guys here, I still feel like I can take you on. You know, I mean, thank God you still feel good. You know, don't take it for granted. My wife and I, we look in our, each other's eyes regularly and say, you know, we got something good here. We may not have it forever. We got it today. So, Colleen, I appreciate you. Honor you. She says the same to me. Because there's something. Something real about being thankful for today. Why? Because I, I don't have guarantees about tomorrow. The Bible doesn't guarantee you. Everything is going to be wonderful mudslides happen stuff happens I fly all over the place stupid stuff happens huh we don't control that so treasure it life is not a five-star hotel have you have you discovered that'
4: I'm,
2: uh, I'm almost done everybody said amen all right Daniel chapter 3 this is the beautiful balance and by the way, the side of my picture is, is kind of all torn up. But there, there she is. Isn't, isn't she beautiful? There's, there's Colleen. I take her everywhere I go. Alright. Daniel chapter 3. I love this balance. Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. In other words, hey, we've already thought this through. That's what we're doing this morning. We're already thinking it through. Good times. We think through potential crisis in the future. Today. When things are good. Huh? When I feel good. No evil report. Good. By the way, Ephesians 6 says, you put on the armor of God so that you are prepared in for the evil day. There are some evil days that come. So these guys are ready. They're not saying, oh God, what do we do? How do we answer this guy? We don't know what to do. No, no, no. No, they know exactly what to do. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us. What is that? Doors open. Windows open. Our God is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and He will deliver us out of your hand. And I'm sure in the back of their mind, they were thinking, one way or another, we're going to be out of your hand. (laughs) But if not, be it known to you, O King, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So we see a combination here of two things that are absolutely essential in my life and your life. One side is faith, windows and doors open. The other side is courage. Courage that says, no matter what. Come what may. As tough as it gets. No matter what you at my life. Things that may come that I'm not planning for, that I'm not looking for, that I'm not expecting. No matter what may come. No matter. Courage. I will not bow. And that is what worship is. See, worship isn't just saying, Oh God, we love You. As long as the sun is shining. And we're all feeling well. Hallelujah. No. Wor- worship is we believe God can deliver us, but if not, we are standing true to Jesus to the end, no matter what. My dad was an Assembly of God pastor. And... Uh, When I was about three years old, he got the flu really bad. And as a child, he'd had diabetes. It had gone in total recession as far as he was concerned. He didn't have diabetes anymore, which didn't happen to kids. But uh, doctors have told me since then that, that 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 an extreme case of the flu can actually cause that diabetes to come back in those situations, so that's exactly what happened. But he didn't know that. One day he passed out from a diabetic coma and um, ended up in the hospital, of course. And um, um, this is in the 50s. This is in the early 50s. And 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 the sugar diabetes had so raged through his body that it attacked his kidneys. His kidneys had shut down. And um, and there's only a couple of kidney machines in the country. So so basically, everybody that needs a kidney machine is is on a lottery system. If your number comes up, you get one. Okay, so he's transferred from the hospital in Olympia, Washington, to to Seattle, to Harborview Hospital. And he's there for a number of months. My dad lived Daniel 3. because he was going to write a book he was absolutely 100% convinced that God was going to heal him. he was 33 years of age he was going to write a book and the title was going to be from the book of Malachi with healing in his wings it was going to be his story of how that God healed him did he have faith? yeah but he also had courage And before he died, that year, he went blind in the hospital. They couldn't do it anymore. You know, those days. And before he died, what was his, he gave to me. Courage. I've never claimed anything when it comes to ministry. It's It's all my dad's. And God just given me a gift that never belonged to me, because my dad, to the end, had faith and courage. Thousands of people were praying for him all over the country. Silent Saturday. To this day, it's Silent Saturday for me concerning my dad. I still don't know why. But you know what? It's okay. It's okay. So to our faith in God is joined faithfulness to God. I want to encourage you to not wimp out on faith. Open your windows and doors. And don't whip out on courage. Here's a woman of courage. Margaret Lewis, Scottish woman with throat cancer. Before she died, this is what she wrote. This is not the worst thing that could happen. Faith and courage. Cancer is so limited. It cannot cripple love. It cannot shatter hope. It cannot corrode faith. It cannot eat away peace. It cannot not destroy confidence. It cannot kill friendship. It cannot shut out memories. It cannot quench the spirit. It cannot lessen the power of Jesus. (laughs) Don't you love that? Yes. Ah! She had her armor on, that woman. Faith and courage, how beautiful. The Scripture is clear that God's prayers in your mouth are the ones that are guaranteed. 1 John chapter 5 tells us that if we pray anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know He hears us, we know we have the petitions we desire of Him. So, so, so John says, you pray according to the will of God. You pray what God is saying, and that's going to be answered. In fact, if you go back to Joshua 23, Joshua said, everything that God promised came to pass. Everything. I think Martin Luther got it wrong when he said that at times God is the God who goes missing. I don't think He goes missing. He just is sometimes silent. He is always with us. Walk by faith, not by sight. Recognize that God stores your prayers in heaven. And sometimes God, by His grace, airlifts us out. And sometimes God parachutes in. And either way, remain true to Jesus, to thee. Father, this morning we thank you for your presence. And Lord, we choose to worship you this morning in the light, and we choose to worship you in the dark. We choose to worship you in our season of silence, where you've made everything absolutely clear. We choose to worship you in our pain. We choose to worship You when we are free from pain. We choose to believe You when everything says it cannot be. And we choose to trust You when it is not. How good You are. How thankful, Lord, that this is only the beginning. And that we don't just live for today. Because we look not to the things just that are seen, but to the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary, things that are unseen are eternal. If your heads bowed. We're, we're going we're to close just by worshiping the Lord a little bit, and then, Pastor. Rob's going to come but before we do that maybe you're here in a season of silence maybe you're going through a season of pain for some of you it may have been a very long season Maybe you're in the sunshine right now and everything is going wonderful. But for all of us this morning, would you say with me, Jesus, come what may, we will remain true to you until the day you take us home. If that's your call, just raise your hand to the Lord and say, God, you see my heart. You see my heart. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I choose to trust you no matter what. In Jesus' name, let's worship Him this morning.